previously on The X-Files. It was probably about four months into me being an empty nester that Chase came back into my life. He told me he had been divorced for a year. It was every romantic movie you've ever seen. It's almost every Taylor Swift song written before she broke up with someone. It was magical. It was amazing. It was the best feeling ever. So we were going to celebrate my birthday together and we had big plans. I remember thinking at first, like, is this too quick? But then it just felt natural and comfortable, too. So maybe I should have listened to my intuition then. But who would when you've known someone for that long? So I uh, fly back from Idaho. I get back to Ohio. It was maybe a day or two after I get home. I get a phone call from him and he's crying and he tells me he's got something very important to tell me. And he immediately blurts out that he has stage three cancer and he's dying. Love bombing. Yep. Manipulation. Check. Gaslighting. Uh-huh. Wow. I guess we really weren't the only ones. You got that right. Welcome to The X-Files, a new spinoff of X-Wives Undercover. Now we're sharing your stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we cry. But more importantly, we stand, stand together. together. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. We are going to have another special guest at the very end of this episode. So make sure you stick around. And, you know, I think people will be pleasantly surprised because this person is very much beloved by our listeners. So, yeah. I mean, I think she's okay, but they seem to like her. Kidding. She has her own little following of fans. I have a feeling this is going to be really a really funny uh, girl chit chat. I know. I'm... I can't wait. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Season three, episode two, Diagnosis, Red Flag. You just get back from your visit to Idaho Mm -hmm. in May. Mm -hmm. This is after your Easter trip to visit Chase. You get a call from him. How long after? And what did he say? Actually, I got a text from him and it said, hey, give me a call. We need to talk about something. And um, I get home and we jump on a FaceTime call. And then he says, I I don't know how to tell you this. so I'm just going to tell you. I have cancer. And he says he had gone to the doctor and he found out that he had stage three, that it was in his spine in his lungs, and there were spots on his brain from a CAT scan that they had just done. So I asked him, I said, when did you find out? And he told me March. He told me he found out after he flew to Ohio and had gotten the tattoo that he had gone to the doctor because he felt lethargic and just off, is Mm. how he put it. And then he went to the doctor and they started running a lot of blood tests. And that's how they found out in the blood tests, how they found out that he had cancer. And did and, you believe him right off the bat or did you have any? I mean, uh, you... Honestly, who lies about cancer? True. Right. Agreed. <laughs> so I absolutely believed him because who would lie about that? And he's crying on the phone and, you know, he's visibly upset. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. I was like, um, <laughs> yep. Who the hell lies about cancer? That's exactly right. So right. I mean, that's not something that's not something that it's so extreme that it's not something that you would think like, oh, this person's lying about that. 
No. That's not like saying, oh, I just bought um, I just bought this brand new Lamborghini. And you're like, really? You work at McDonald's? No, right. it's like, this is a huge like thing. This is a life-changing thing. And it's like, honestly, in your mind, like a logical person's mind, you're like, this isn't something you can fake. True. You know, eventually someone's going to figure out that you don't have cancer. So yeah, True. I absolutely believed him. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially because it was probably, well, actually, no, he said stage three. So that didn't, Mm -hmm. I mean, wouldn't you think he would be presenting pretty physical symptoms, loss of weight, hair? I don't know. Like, Uh, yeah, you would have thought, um, but I mean, he said, oh, well, I'm not, I haven't gone through chemo yet. I'm going Uh, through, like, I'm talking to the doctor about what my options are. He's like, I just found out. I've just felt just sick. He's like, I've just felt sick. And he kept telling me he couldn't keep food down, which I was like, oh, that wasn't I mean we we had a huge Easter dinner that's not what happened when I was with you but mm-hmm. you know he just said yeah. oh I you know I've been struggling with this in private and I didn't know how to tell anyone and he goes off to say I'm the first person that he told and of then course. ends the conversation with don't tell anybody just yet because I haven't released the news and I don't want my kids to find out until I get to tell them in person Oh my God. Hello. Yeah. Like that's what Ben told me. He's Identical. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Don't tell Sydney. Don't tell Sydney. Don't tell my family. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mm-hmm. scare them. And Amber, you know, I'll be treated and you know, I'm in stage one. And so it'll be done and over with before, before you know it. And no one has to know my dumb right. ass for it. Well, <laughs> well, when he told me, he said he had stage three lung cancer, but I got the same thing. Don't tell uh, my family. Don't tell Amber. Mm-hmm. I don't want to worry her. It's just, they're so manipulative. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. The lie was pretty strong on that oh. one. And the fe- the worst part about that is like, I wasn't really in contact with his ex-wives at that point. Um, we had never talked. Um, I know his brother, but we weren't exactly, you know, texting buddies or anything. So I wouldn't have told anyone because I wasn't connected to any of them. So I just thought that that was funny. He added that in there. (laughs) Now, I know what I did was I went straight to Google and started diagnosing shit and looking Mm -hmm. at prognosis. What did you find out? I did the exact same thing. And you know how everyone says, like, when you go on WebMD and you look up your cold symptoms and it automatically tells you you're going to die in 24 hours. Uh (laughs) Yep. I mean, (laughs) I did the same thing. I looked up everything. I was like, what is the name of the cancer? And he said... He didn't quite know at that point that uh, he didn't have the paperwork in front of him, you know, to give me the like technical name, but he said it was on his spine and like in his lungs. So I looked up all these things. And when you look up lung cancer, that is a pretty scary diagnosis. I was very upset. I'm all the way in Ohio. I don't know what to do. I care about this person. And, you know, gut instinct is like, I should buy another plane ticket. I should fly out, take more time off work. Like, just help him get this sorted. That that was my immediate reaction is like, I just want to help. The most important part of this is we were long distance. So I wouldn't see his doctor's appointments. I wouldn't see him on a daily basis. So it was a lot easier to, I guess, hold up that end of the story because I wasn't there. Now he's wanting you to pack up and move down to be with him. What were you thinking? How were you feeling about that? My immediate reaction was, I just want to help him. My gut instinct, the moment he told me, was like, I almost got on and and Southwest and booked another flight. I care about this person. I really, really want to be there. And, you know, obviously we talked about this over 
days, weeks, things like that. So it was on my mind constantly. And he kept telling me, I just, I just need you here. I need you here to help me through this. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to die alone. I need, I need support. And, you know, his mother um, at this time had dementia. And he kept telling me that he had no family anymore, that he, he needed someone that had been in his life forever to comfort him. And he's like, I know it's a lot to ask you, but would you, would you move to Idaho? And he finished that up with, I would move to Columbus, but I have two children and I, I can't uproot myself to move to Columbus. Would you come here to me? I said, you know, you're at a point in your life where you can do it. And if you feel it's right, I mean, he, he took a trip out there to see her. I mean, it's it, it's not like they, they were just texting each other on a dating app. I mean, they'd known each other for years. So it, to me, it seemed like a natural thing for them to get together. You know, I, I it's, it's so hard to put together. Like, if you ask me to put this together logically, what motives were, I, I can't tell you because... Uh, for a normal person, none of nothing of what he did makes any sense. I, I can't even explain the motive because knowing what I know now, I mean, I'm only telling you my side of the story. I'm not telling you what he told everyone else. The stories that he told everyone else involved in this, it, it, it was just crazy. So on one end, he's trying to convince me to move out, to be with him. On the other end, he's telling his ex-wife, Denise the same story that he's got cancer that he's dying and telling her they they should get back together yeah. that he doesn't want to die without her that she's the love of his life the only thing i can think of is just basically from you know my experience with him and actually going to therapy is that he had some extreme attachment issues and and he does have a, a huge fear of being alone. So in that, he was manipulating the situation with me and manipulating the situation also with his ex-wife, Denise, to see which one of us would stay. And it was a huge play on emotions, which is really, really messed up. Telling someone you're dying. Yeah. I, I mean, that plays that's, on yeah, every core emotion you have. <laughs> it's more than messed up. It's fucked up. That's what. Yeah. Um, it's sick. <laughs> and twisted this is giving me serious fucking ptsd because this <laughs> happened to me too and i bet when you were listening to our story you were shitting yourself because this happened to you just like it happened to me so essentially you get a text message the yeah. day before you're gonna move uh from a person saying that chase was cheating on you and that he was still with his ex-wife denise yeah yeah i did um my whole house was packed I had movers coming the next day. Chase was already planning to fly out. Everything was exciting. We were giddy. I mean, we were literally laughing, talking on the phone before I left for work. So I owned a business and I was also a bartender. I was actually um, done with my bartending shift. It was probably around midnight, something along those lines. And I was at a local bar across the street from the restaurant I worked at. And I was getting my dinner, my after shift dinner. And I was with, <clears throat> I was with two coworkers actually. And we were talking about how, you know, this was going to be one of my last shifts that I was taking a leave of absence. And, you know, um, cause I wasn't quite sure like how long cancer treatment was going to be that kind of thing. And whether or not I'd be going back and forth. And I was still working on the sale of the business. So I was 
thinking like I would be back and forth between Columbus and Idaho for a few months. And if that were the case, I would be uh, maybe picking up a few shifts. So we talked about how I've been working there for almost six years. So how this was like one of my last shifts and it was kind of sad and like exciting and all of these things. And in the middle of a conversation with my coworker, I get a text message and it's from a number I don't recognize. It's from a Spokane, Washington number. And it just says, I think you should know that the guy that you're moving for is still fucking his ex-wife. I don't know this person. I'm looking at this. My heart sinks into the pit of my stomach. <clears throat> my coworker who's sitting next to me, blabbing on about, you know, daily life stuff, looks at me and goes, are you okay? Because mm. I think my whole face turned white. And I just said, yeah, I, I think I have to go. Um, I hope you guys have a good night. I paid my bill and I go to the parking garage to get my car and I call Chase. And in the meantime, I've received two additional text messages stating that he's been sleeping with his ex-wife the entire time that we've been together and that he's making plans to get back together with her. I call Chase and Chase gets on the phone. You know, first thing he does is like, oh, are you getting so excited that I'm coming out tomorrow? And that's the first thing he says. And I said, yeah, but I just got this really weird text message. And he goes, what did it say? And his voice changed. So he went from super excited to like really somber all of a sudden. And I said, well, it was from a random number. I don't know who this is, but they said that you've been cheating on me and that you're still sleeping with your ex-wife. And I said, what, what's going on? And he just explodes with anger. Like all of a sudden it was like flipped a switch. All of a sudden it went from like super excited that we're moving, we're doing all these things together to all of a sudden he is livid and he's kind of screaming on the phone and he's like the ex-wives club strikes again they're just trying to ruin our lives and um that's my ex-wife trying to poison you and here she is trying to manipulate again i told you she was a drunk i told you she was crazy what don't you understand what don't you get from this why are you bringing this to me i already told you that she was going to do this wow so he was angry at me <laughs> like and he goes, forget this. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. We're done. I'm not flying out tomorrow. Um, go ahead and cancel the movers. We're, it's, we're done. I don't need this in my life right now. I am going through chemotherapy. I'm dying of cancer. I don't need any more drama. Oh, my God. Wait, okay, so. He's horrible. Wait, mm -hmm. so, okay, first of all, who tipped the ex off that you guys were something secondly who gave out your phone number to this person I, i'm well, like see, what? that's what's that's what's funny so my phone number at that time it was it was linked to my business uh, so it was online and it was available so rookie mistake on that end i i'll put my personal phone number on my business page not that uncommon not that uncommon people use it's, their cell phones yeah for, right but so, yeah i had my think personal phone number there do you think that the ex-wife somehow figured out about she you guys and was have. stalking so, to see okay. what was up? She's the only one who would have saw his phone or else it had to have been another or, woman in another kind of flingy relationship with him. Well, it was the ex-wife Denise's friend who texted me. Oh, I knew it. It was one of her best friends. It's always the friends. friends. 
yeah oh, wait, it was friends. Friends. we're best too friends. emotional we're like best yeah. friend can you please bitch this woman out <laughs> yeah. drop her well, a note and tell avery's her. yeah avery's friend was the one that reached mm-hmm. out to me yeah so it was uh and you know I, denise and i ended up talking later and um we've compared notes and all of those things and she found out about me because uh the daughter had said something things had been going on between him and her the entire time that we had been together including easter actually uh so during easter he was texting her in the bathroom basically stating i'm so lonely i wish you were here right now meanwhile i'm in the kitchen cooking a five course gourmet dinner <laughs> oh I, uh, I remember you saying <laughs> but you that. know he's lonely <laughs> okay so this is where it gets really crazy So he hangs up on me. I have no idea if he's coming out or not. He's not answering my phone calls when I try to call him back. He's not answering my text messages. I'm like, I have no idea what to think. I'm driving home super confused. I call my sister who's in Las Vegas and I'm talking to her on the phone and I'm like, I I don't know what just happened. And, uh, you know, again, we've known him. He's been in our lives since I was 11 years old. So at this point, he had been in my sister's life since she was like six, seven. And she goes, oh, but we know him. And like, this is obviously a very stressful time. And she's like, just give him a chance. Um, You know, he'll come around. Like, if he doesn't show up tomorrow, just, you know, go from there. And that's all you could do. One step forward. Then he calls in the middle of my conversation with my sister. At this point, it is 1.30 in the morning. Columbus time and he's like that's it I you know I can't take this anymore he's full-on sobbing on the phone and he tells me he's going to take all of his Xanax and commit suicide he goes I'm just done so I'm like oh my god I don't know what to do here so I immediately hang up I tell my sister what's going on I call her back I tell her that he's threatening to commit suicide and she goes hang up with me and call the police call the fire department So I hang up with her. I immediately call the police. I report it. And then I get an angry phone call from him going, you fucking reported me to the authorities. (laughs) I wasn't going to commit suicide. I wasn't going to do that. Why would you call the cops on me? I have kids. I could have them taken away. My ex-wife is looking for any reason. My ex-wife, Erica, is looking for any reason to take custody from me. And you're sitting here calling the cops on me. And now the whole neighborhood knows. Ben, is that you? Because this <laughs> is like, oh my God. I know. He's like I'm possessed even, by Ben. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, who wouldn't call the cops when someone says that? Like, who, if we care about you, who would be like, yeah, just go ahead, jump off the bridge? Like, what? Yeah, I mean, welcome to psychological abuse, y'all. Pure manipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, think the, I think the term my therapist used was gaslighting. Yeah. Like, so it was... It's not my fault, but my fault (laughs) all the time. It was always my fault, whatever happened. With all this crazy going on, did you ever feel like you wanted to look up the wife's phone number and give her a call? Did she ever try to contact you again? Did you contact her about him threatening to kill himself or previously when you're getting the anonymous text messages? I did look her up. I did have her phone number and I knew where she worked. I had not contacted her at that point he still had me very convinced that she was just out of control okay he had told me how toxic their relationship was he told me she was physically abusive towards him that she was 
an alcoholic that she drank all the time and that she would do these things and manipulate situations that she had been doing it for years to kind of get her way. So he still had me convinced that she was not a normal person. From that first time you had received those text messages from the friend up until this point, had there been any more messages from the friend? Not at all. This is insane. Like I look back on this now and I'm like, what was I thinking? You know, I must have really cared about this person because the red flags were just crimson at this point. We also asked Alicia's mother if she had noticed any red flags. And this is what she had to say. Now, if I had physically been in front of him, maybe looking me straight in the eye, because I'm a trained clinical hypnotherapist. Mm. I know body language, but you can't do body language on a text. Even if you have a psychological problem, you can be extremely smart. And you can have the right words. Hannibal Lecter had the right words. He calls me at five o'clock in the morning. And at this point, I've had very little sleep. All the craziness that had happened the night before between him threatening suicide and me calling the cops, him being angry at me. I think I probably went to bed at three o'clock in the morning. So he calls me at six, five, six o'clock in the morning, tells me he's getting on the plane and he doesn't sound excited anymore. He doesn't sound happy. He's like, listen, I'm getting on the plane. I'll see you in a few hours. We can talk about everything then. So I pick him up from the airport and he's, uh, he's just, you know, I've, I've had a night. He kept saying, I've had a night. I'm like, I think we both had a night and he's upset. And he's just like, there's so much drama. I can't deal with this much drama. It's overwhelming. And he's half asleep, half awake in the car. I get him back to my house, which is now completely packed up. So I don't have anything to sit on or anything in the house. Like we're eating off paper plates at this point. He gets in the house and he's leaning up against the wall in my living room. And he's like, oh, I got a voicemail. And he's listening to his voicemail. And all of a sudden he drops his phone and starts sobbing. And I go, what happened? And immediately I'm thinking, did his mother die? Like what happened? And he tells me his ex-wife Denise got a DUI and was in jail and that he got a voicemail from her in jail asking to bail her out. And I'm trying to comfort him. And he's just like, I should have been there for her. I should have been there is what he kept saying. And I'm like, what do you mean? You've been telling me for this late girl's crazy and all of this stuff. And he goes, no, I, I always promise never to um, abandon her. And, you know, I feel like this is all my fault. And if I hadn't, you know, pressured the divorce and all of these things. And I'm sitting here thinking, my stuff's packed. I'm about to move in with you and you're crying on my floor about another woman. Yeah, that's not good. You're moving forward, which you probably feel similar to remember how Amber felt like, fuck, I'm packed. Like I left yeah. my job, everything's done. So. I've, I've already quit. I've already sold yeah. everything. Um, I mean, I've quit my job. I'm selling everything. My house is packed. I, I'm like so committed to this that it's like, okay, here I am. This is what we're doing. So now you're on the road trip to- We're on the road trip. You want to stop at some cool spots along mm -hmm. the way to break up the trip, right? So you mentioned that he starts to get a little bit more distant. And yeah. I'm guessing that the whole episode of him crying on your floor must've been a trigger. Or maybe now in my mind, I'm wondering if he is getting cold feet about what he's doing because with you there and- Denise, mm -hmm. I mean, holy crap, like 
it's going to be more work for him to like make sure you guys don't find out about each other. Yeah. And it's a small town. So yes, <laughs> I don't think he really thought this through, honestly. Um, so maybe reality was hitting. I'm not sure. So we're, we're on the drive and we made this, you know, we started doing these plans like a month prior and we decided that we were going to stop at roadside attractions, like world's <laughs> biggest corn maze and the petrified yeah. forest. And, you know, um, things that you heard people stopped at in the fifties and sixties, that, that kind of thing. Okay. So we're driving through. Well, first of all, I made a big plan because he had some bucket list stuff, right? And remember, this man is going through chemo and dying. So I'm trying to think of like special things that I can do for him. He's a huge baseball fan, huge baseball fan. And one of his bucket list items was that he wanted to watch a game at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Cool. Well, we're in Ohio and we're only six hours from Chicago. So I planned the route that we were going to go up through Chicago and we we're going to go through Minnesota and Wyoming, um, South Dakota, down to Idaho. And um, I booked us tickets to a game at Wrigley Field. I got us an Airbnb that was literally directly across the street. And I paid for this whole thing. But we have to leave at a certain time to make the game. And he is not motivated to finish um, with the packing of the truck and everything. We did uh, pods. So, like, we had to pack all the pods. And then the truck was going to come pick them up at a certain time. So much work. Right? So he's, like, not happy about having to put boxes and things. He's complaining I have too much stuff. He's getting agitated with the whole, like, having to pack the truck thing. So he's being very quiet. He's not his normal joking self. You know, usually when we were together, it was, we were always laughing. And I remember that day, like, it was very somber. Like, we didn't, we weren't laughing about anything. But I was kind of giving him a lot of distance because of the stuff that had happened the night before with the ex-wife. And, you know, I was like, he's got to be kind of emotional about this. And I'm justifying his side of things thinking, well, you know, you're, you're not married to someone for 10 years and just all of a sudden not care. He has no idea that I have this surprise for him. So he's agitated with me. He's like, why are you so pushy? Why do we have to leave like right now? And I'm like, well, I have a time frame. I just want to make sure we make good time. And I hadn't told him yet. So we started driving to Chicago and he's like, why are we stopping in Chicago? Why are you pulling off the freeway? And then I revealed to him, I'm like, well, we're going to go to a game at Wrigley Field tonight. This is something I had planned for you. And then all of a sudden he starts getting excited. And then he's like, you know, loud, this is great. Let's do that. So we watch the baseball game. We get hot dogs in the stadium. Um, we go out after afterwards for a couple beers at one of the bars next to the stadium. We have a pretty good night. Um, stay at the Airbnb, wake up the next morning, start getting on the road. And he's still like real quiet. He's real distant. So uh -huh. before we used to hold hands in the car and like stuff like that, but he's just kind of, he's sleeping. So he's away from me, like as far as he could be away from me in the passenger seat, he's sleeping. We get to Minnesota. I remember that one. Um, and we stay in a hotel that night and it's freezing there. It's like sleet rain, gross outside. And he says to me, I just need some time alone. And he leaves me in the hotel room to go to a bar. Oh, heck no. And I'm thinking to myself, I just left a job. I'm starting to get real anxious. You know, the further away we get from Columbus, Ohio, I'm, I'm getting real anxious. I'm like, I just left everything. I have nothing in Idaho at all. Like, I, I don't know anything about this state. I don't know anything about the city we're going to go live in. 
I have no connections there. And, you know, it's kind of nerve wracking. It's starting to build up anxiety in me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I just want some comfort. I just want to be with this person that I chose to um, essentially spend my life with, or I thought I was going to spend my life with. And I wanted my best friend back. That's the other thing. Like we had been friends since we were kids and I just, I wanted that camaraderie back. I wanted that closeness and it just didn't feel like it was there. So he's at this bar, this trucker bar. I remember that. And it's directly across from the hotel and he's gone for hours and I'm texting him like, Hey, like you want to, you know, why don't we just pick up something at the gas station? We can do drinks in the hotel room. Let's just spend some time together. I'm feeling a little anxious about, you know, the move. And I just kind of, I just kind of want to chill tonight. And so I, I text him that and he goes, um, maybe later. And then like, it's probably like three and a half hours that he's been gone at this point that I'm just like, I would really like it if you come back right now. And so he comes back and he is so pissed off at me. Um, he's like, I told you, I just needed some time to clear my head. I just needed some alone time. You're smothering me. Oh, um, okay. So any inkling of being sick with stage three cancer along this trip, any throwing up or I don't know. Not at all. In fact, he was, he's drinking a lot. He's eating whatever he wants. I didn't see any signs of cancer at all. The only thing that he kept saying to me is, I just feel tired all the time. I just feel tired. Fabulous question, um, by the way, Amber. Um, I don't know why that didn't cross my mind. Up, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hello. think of it until just now. <laughs> point, girlfriend. But, yeah, I mean, was he None. still wanting to have sex and everything? Because I would think if you're so tired and you're so so with like men, <laughs> he was so sick and he was so tired. But man, when it came to sex, he was all about it. So I'm like, just fine. Penis was, but nothing else. That's the thing with him is like the libido never went down, but like he just, you know, when it when it came to driving in the car, he was tired. Yeah, new kind of cancer. It's a whole new strain of cancer that that only Mm -hmm. works. You know, (laughs) it only affects you sometimes. And you and you can uh, you could definitely drink during this whole treatment process. By the way, (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I remember her saying, you know, I wonder if I made a terrible mistake because I really, you know, he says he has this cancer and he's going to this treatment and he's doing this stuff and it just doesn't add up. And she and I are very observant. We kind of like to, we sit back and we look at things and our brains pick up on things and it just didn't tally to her so he comes back to the hotel room he's pissed at me he tells me that i'm smothering him he just needed time alone that he needed to process all this stuff and then i'm explaining to him like i'm also processing everything i just left you know everything that i had built in columbus ohio over seven years i just left everything i'm moving to a city i don't know anyone and i'm anxious too and I'm also going, and I'm explaining to him, I'm like, I'm also going through all this with you. I went through all that drama in the last couple of days with you. That also affected me. Like, we can do this healing process together. I would love to be able to talk this out tonight together instead of spending it alone. Yeah, true. And in hindsight, he's probably going, oh, fuck, what did I do? <laughs> what did I do? Because <laughs> sure. I have two different women that I'm 
Oh my God. Yeah. And then I find out that, uh, I mean, later in talking with Denise, um, when we finally did have our meetup, um, that he was um, at the bar talking to her. Of course. He does it in the bar. Ben does it sitting on the toilet in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. No, women. I, I, trust me. <laughs> Chase, he had the bathroom? a... We will... Uh, yeah, Denise and I will both confirm that he had a really bad habit of being in the bathroom for hours. And we were like, yeah, his digestive system must be awful. No, he's just texting oh, yeah. other women. So we continue on this trip. We, we're there for... We're driving for four days, you know? And we do have some great times. We stop at, like, the biggest corn maze in America. We stopped at the Petrified Forest. Um, we stopped at Little Bighorn. And we did stay a night in Deadwood in South Dakota. We went all over the place. We were laughing. And it started feeling like normal again, or what I considered normal. We were back to the you know, inside jokes. We were back to laughing. We were back to being affectionate and walking down the street, holding hands and just like enjoying life together. And I thought, okay, maybe all of this craziness that's happened over the last week or so is like dying down and we can get on with being the happy people that we were before. So at this point, I'm really looking forward to getting to Idaho. Once, once we're in South Dakota, like it, it felt like, okay, maybe I did make the right choice. Maybe everything is settling down and and maybe this drama was just temporary and then we get to Idaho you get to Idaho and Chase decides not to sleep in the bedroom with you but he mm-hmm. wants to sleep on the couch with the kids yeah what the hell <laughs> what what the hell so <laughs> we arrive in Idaho and we get to the house and um the kids are coming his first ex-wife Erica is going to drop off the kids for his planned visit so the kids arrive, we're all excited and, you know, he's missed them. We bought them gifts when we were in South Dakota and, and um, we sent them texts all along the way. So, you know, it was a really exciting time and it's late at night. It's probably like 8, 8.30. So the kids are tired. They've, you know, gone they're through gone school through and everything and, um, you know, they're winding down, they have dinner. And then his son doesn't want to sleep in his in his bed. He wants to sleep on the couch. So Chase tells me, oh, I'm just going to hang out on the couch with my son until he falls asleep. And I'm like, okay, that's sweet. You know, because one of the big things that Chase would always tell me is that he lived to be a father, that everything was about his kids, that his world revolved around his kids. And it was something that I respected about him. So that was, it was a big deal. So I didn't make too much of a deal about it. I did feel a little weird, like sleeping in this bedroom that I had never really been in by myself. And around like two o'clock in the morning I'm drifting in and out of sleep and I wake up and he's not there and I get up and I see that he's still sleeping on the couch and I'm like oh he must have fallen asleep you know with his son he was also exhausted so that's sweet so I shake him awake and he gets up and he looks at me and he's pissed off and he goes what the fuck do you want and he had never talked to me like that oh um I was just wondering if you're coming to bed and he looks at me and he goes, I told you I was sleeping on the couch. Like, angry is how he's saying it to me. I told you I was sleeping on the couch tonight. And I said, oh, okay. And I just say to him, like, well, it's my first night in Idaho. I'm feeling a little anxious. I would love it if you would come to bed with me. And he he's like, no, I'm going to sleep on the couch. I already told you. This is about my son. This isn't about you. Stop being selfish. So I went to bed confused again. Like, I, I'm like, I don't know why he's so angry. And 
I'm trying to think of like what I did and if I was actually being selfish and you know he he just really made me think about a lot of stuff so I went to bed kind of really confused my first night in Idaho was not that great it was actually kind of terrible I remember waking up the next morning thinking did I just make the biggest mistake of my life and um I mean, I would say later that, yeah, I definitely did make a very big one with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, been there, done that. Yes, you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that he was backtracking a little bit? Because I, I'm assuming you guys slept in the same bedroom the first time you met his children. But this time around, yeah. do you think he was trying to be like, we're just friends. So I'm going to sleep on the couch so that you know, they I'm... couldn't go back to the wife, the ex-wife. Probably because... Anything. I would find out later that the story he made up for me coming to Idaho was that we were not in a romantic relationship. This is the story he was telling not only the ex-wife, but the neighbors and his coworkers, everybody, not in a romantic relationship, that we were just friends, um, that my business had failed and I had filed bankruptcy and that uh, my life had fallen apart. And I was an old friend on hard times and he was just renting a room to me that we were just roommates. It's a great story. And it would really make him look like a wonderful person. If that were actually true. Um, I was not filing bankruptcy. I had left my business to move with him and I was not on hard times. I was doing great before he came in. And then I don't, I don't think when you have a roommate that you let them sleep in your bed or that you sleep with them. I kind of think that that's not what roommates do, but you know, I may be fuzzy on the definition. (laughs) (laughs) I started getting very suspicious. There was a lot going on. So I went for a walk to clear my head and I'm walking along the waterfront and I look up at the restaurant and there he is having dinner with his ex-wife. that concludes episode two of Chase and Alicia's story. And now, what you've all been waiting for, our special guest. Quick note, we had some issues with audio and our Zoom call was just not cooperating. So bear with us. It's a little bit rough, (laughs) but we loved having her on and we hope that you do too. Okay, everyone, thanks for sticking around. And as we promised you a very special guest to discuss this last episode, you all know her as the sassy, pink-haired tiger, <laughs> a.k.a. known as Lexis, also known as Lexi, also known as Athena's oldest daughter. <laughs> Okay, Lexi, so you got to listen to the last few episodes. What are you thinking? What are your thoughts on it? I think it is like eerily similar to Brandon, which freaks me out. For a second, I was like, is this Brandon? Like, I think I need to see a photo of this guy. (laughs) But the two kids would have had to be like hired actors. So that's the part that, you know, threw me off. But it's crazy. I was very shocked. This episode, Chase, he followed in that same path of Brandon with, I have cancer. I mean, he did go a little farther. I mean, he said what was like brain cancer, stems, what what was it all? There was like a million different things. Thoughts on my lungs and things in my (laughs) brain. And I mean, he did go all out. Um, So when you heard that, what was your first thought? 
Well, it kind of like threw me back into when I was 12 with Brandon, he came to the house and sat me down and he was like, I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay. I thought he was going to try to like, be like, I'm going to win your mom back, whatever. (laughs) No. Instead, he was not that time. (laughs) He was like, I have cancer and I'm dying. And I just wanted to apologize for all the things that I've done to you. And I was like, wow, like I was crying, not because I liked him, but because I thought my sister's dad was going to die. Was there some kind of something that he was trying to get out of, or was there um, an emergency or something? What was going on during that time? Because I feel like these guys, there's always something where they want some sympathy and attention and they want to distract you from what's really going on. So by saying, oh gosh, I have cancer that maybe you know, if you do find out something, you'll give them a pass or something. I don't know what the whole strategy is, but I feel like there's always something. Or he was wanting, was this when he was wanting you to watch Sydney so that he could go away? In the grand scheme of things, it was Uh because he was like, I'm being blown and I'm sick and I need to go to the doctor. But really, uh, he was just going on dates. He kept saying he couldn't take care of Sydney because he had to go to the doctor. He was sick. His hair was all the time. Now I remember. But really, he was just faking it. Wow. How did I forget that, Amber? Holy shitballs. I I kind of forgot that part. That was right before he lied about the next cancer scare right at the beginning of your relationship. But for Alicia, why do? what was the purpose? Why do you guys think that he did it right before she moved. He brought up suddenly that he was diagnosed and asked her to move. Okay. So that was definitely the plot. He just wanted to control her in any way to get her to where he was. Maybe it was, yeah, maybe you're onto something. Maybe it was just a, a way of seeing if he could get what he wanted. If maybe he was testing her, like, would she also second thought would be, you know, with, personality disorders or mood disorders, you know, with like bipolar, they have their high highs or low lows or manic episodes where they're just balls to the wall, like doing the craziest stuff, but not really thinking things through like the repercussions. So I don't know. Do they just shoot at the hip and don't really even have a plan? Like, it's just like a unthought out. Are they as deceitful as we think they are? Like, I have a plan. I'm going to make her quit her job so I can control her so I can do this and like do they actually think it through or are they just wing it like in that moment I have cancer and I'm dying and they'll figure it out later or sometimes I don't know they must be just winging it because none of that was thought through because none of that made sense yeah. why would Chase have Alicia yeah. sell her business how cruel give up everything her job or this or that and move across the country and even go into the whole idea of like them buying a home together I think he definitely was testing her Okay, Lexis. So Alicia has received this anonymous text telling her that her boyfriend is banging his ex-wife. Would you have handled that the way that Alicia did by going straight to Chase and, and just calling him out right away? Or would you have taken another approach? What do you think you would have done? I think I would have done worse things than she did. She was very nice about it. I don't know how she was so nice about it, but she was really nice about it. I personally probably would have showed up at his door and uh, he tried to be like, no, that didn't happen. I probably would have lost my shit. I think him lying to me like that probably would have been my last straw and I probably would have lost my shit, but only because infidelity is like that one thing that really gets me along with you add the fact that 
She sold her business. She sold her house. She uprooted her life to move there. And you know what really gets me on top of what you said is the fact that he fucking blamed it on her. (laughs) Just like, oh, I was like, okay, put Tiger would be like all over that. Like the minute you blame someone for simply getting an anonymous text (laughs) message, like it's your fault, Alicia. I know. I got caught. Damn it, like, dare you get a text like, message that I'm banging someone else? How I know. You? I'm like, oh my God, the psychological fuckery. I know. You know, in you her defense and yeah, in her defense, I remember us kind of discussing this with her Amber. And I remember she was uh, reminded us that let's not forget that he was going through a lot, a crazy divorce with his alcoholic ex-wife and he is battling cancer. So it just seems really far-fetched. He's already made the ex-wife look like a crazy lunatic. So I can kind of understand why she's approaching it like a little cautiously. I don't know. I would have called the the phone number. I would have called the woman. I would have called the ex-wife first before ever going to chase. Yeah. And to her point also, like you just said, that just made me think about I also had that same thought, like when he told me, you know, Brandon told me he had cancer and during those short few months, I remember thinking, uh, it does his dick work because probably not. I mean, when you're sick, you're probably not trying to fuck other people. So I was thinking that's the last thing of my worries is him cheating on me when he he's sick and he's going through treatment. So I'm sure Alicia was kind of like, uh, he's got other fish to fry, (laughs) you know? So we also know that Lexi went through the whole, I'm going to kill myself. Um, what, if any specific incidents that stands out in your memory regarding the similarities of what Chase did and what Brandon did? Well, I think anytime things got a little rough for Brandon, he just immediately pulled like the suicide card, which was like a little intense, but I remember there was a time, I'm not sure why he did this. I'm not sure like what happened between him and my mom at the time, but I was going home from school and I was riding my scooter. So I didn't see my phone. And by the time I got to my house, my mom had texted me and was like, don't go home. Don't go in the house. You need to leave and go to a friend's. And I was like, "Mm, it's kind of weird. And so I, I believe I called her. And then I ended up leaving and going to a friend and Brandon had been in the garage with his car with like this Jimmy rigged exhaust pipe and said that he was going to kill himself in the garage, which I, if he had done that, I'm really glad that I wasn't there for that because that would have been really traumatizing. People just don't understand like how emotionally traumatizing that is and how you feel really stuck in a relationship to stay, to get them help to, I don't know. It's just crazy. But then now as I'm older and I'm reflecting on kind of what we went through, I just think about the children. Like, did you worry about him being with Lexi? You know, what if it's a murder suicide, he could harm the thing that you love the most. Lexi. So definitely when you and I get taken out to the woods, that was a part that I, that was a moment where Lex and I both for sure thought he's going to kill us both. This is going to be one of those murder suicide. Yeah. That was like one of the main times where I was like, oh, I'm going to die. We are going to die. It sounds messed up, but I was like, well, at least I'm with my mom, you know, so we can get after it together. That for sure was one time where I was like, yeah, like this is the end for us. What would you 
like what kind of advice would you give to other people, especially if it's, this is the first time they're, you know, being around someone who's like that, what would your advice be to them, you know, moving forward? Cause I stuck around for a long time. Your mom stuck around. Like it just took us a while to kind of figure out what was going on. I mean, for me, clearly I wasn't in like a relationship with him. So it's a little different. I remember always being really, really irritated and like wanting to grab my mom and shake her and be like, why are you still doing this? Like, why? Why? Like, that was it. Just why? And I made it very clear my stance on him and how I felt about him. And I think as a child, I picked up on a lot more than I think maybe other children would have the red flags were just insane like they're getting thrown left and right and uh sometimes that's really hard to pick up on if you're naive if you've never been in a situation like this if you're a little more sheltered to something like this also as we've known like I know it's it's discouraging about calling the police every time they do it but you have to just keep being persistent and make it it's going to be logged so even if they don't do exactly what you want the police officer to do it's on their file. So you got to, especially if you do end up having children with these guys and when, and if you make that move to finally end things, you have this data, you know, database of all this information logged. Um, so you can, you know, the paper trail, it's so important. It feels like you're again, marching in place, nothing's happening, but in the end, as we realized years and years and for me, 14, 15 years later, it all added up eventually. Just do it. It's hard though. But also on that note, it is emotional abuse. When somebody's constantly reaching out to you, manipulating you, acting like they want to take their own life and it has to do with you, it's not okay. Now, Chase and Alicia are on the road trip. They're making the journey from uh, Alicia's home in Ohio and going all the way back to Idaho. So lots of red flags, Amber and I, we definitely dug into those with Alicia. So curious about what you felt like really stood out to you as major red flags on that trip. I'd have to say for sure his temperament. I like, and I felt like her, like I put myself into that situation, into that car with her. And I was like, I would want nothing more but to crawl out of my skin and jump out of that car. It is so uncomfortable being around people that are so moody or easily shut off, or you you can like, you can feel that they're irritated. It's the worst feeling for me personally. And I think her having to endure that the entire car ride and him like being such an asshole. And then she's like, oh, by the way, we're going to go to Wrigley Field. And he was like, oh, cool. I I know. What a dick. Like, just like that. Just, oh. Like them ears perked up and <laughs> I, yeah, they that did. irritated me. That really irritated me. I know like, I have such a personal <laughs> soft spot for this. Cause I went through the same thing. Cause you're, you're just, I, I, I just, like you said, I felt like I was on that trip with him and I'm just, I know exactly what's going through her mind. And it's just like, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. I just left my job. I just left my whole life. Oh my God. I literally can't turn around now. Like the fuck am I going to do? And I'm sure she was thinking like, how, how am I supposed to go get my job, my whole life back? And I'm like already up to my eyebrows in, in commitment to this. And 
these signs suck. And then you want to rationalize it in your head. Okay. He's sick. He's this. And that's the only reason why he's behaving this way. But everyone on the outside is going, Oh no, no, no. They're red flags. But you're just trying to make yourself like, I can't be this stupid. Please tell me I'm not this stupid. And I didn't make the world's biggest mistake ever. So true. So true. I know you're just constantly questioning yourself, doubting yourself, questioning yourself. I thought it was really strange that he was so irritated and so angry during this whole trip, but it was all he wanted. It was like his idea. He asked her to do these things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, I get that he was sick and that's in air quotes, everybody. But he's so sick. He has to leave her to have his time to go to a bar with stage three cancer. Come on. I know. But if I, if he would have left me at the hotel room and went to a bar for a few hours to go get handmade, I mean, I would have just probably left. I probably would have just turned around and went back home. I, I don't know. <laughs> I would have. I think I really honestly would have. But didn't they have, oh, they had the pods, right? I, I, I almost feel like I might have just walked across the street and ruined his game because he was calling his wife during that time. Pour me a shot. Here we go, motherfucker. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he'd get that much pissed off because he knows like, shit, that was the time I was going to call my ex-wife and she just ruined it for him. So yeah, I would not have given him any extra alone time. No, I would have walked over there and been like, fuck you, dude. It's been two hours. You're talking shit. You think you're going to fucking leave me here after I just packed up my shit? That situation would irritate me, but at the same time, personally, after being in the car with him that whole time and him being so agitated and like on edge. I might've been like, good, leave. I would have been like, I'm hungry. You know, I love food. I've been like dinner time, bitch. Like, where's my food? I know. I have to give it to her. Like she handled that with grace because not very many people (laughs) would would be able to, you know, deal with so much that was coming at her. And she's still thinking he's this great person that she grew up with. And she truly wants to believe that. And, oh, it's terrible. And the texts that he sent her were so mean. Like, he was like, you're too much for me. I need space. And I would have been like, you just asked me to move in with you. What do you mean you need space? I know, exactly. Let's talk about when they finally got to Idaho. That first night, it was like, I'm going to sleep on the couch um, instead of with his girlfriend who had just moved across the country to be with him. Did you feel like he was just being a good dad? I think that's a little strange. I don't think your middle schooler needs you to sleep on the couch with them unless like I in their own home. Isn't it their home? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I don't Did they not have a bedroom? I don't think we ever asked for that. Why did why weren't they well, sleeping in their own bed? Why would he have her move there if their own if his own kids can don't even have their own space? What I, I find know. really strange is that the kids met her for the Easter weekend and she clearly slept in his bedroom. So now that she's moved there, all of a sudden he wants it to be like, they're just friends. Why would they need him to sleep on the couch too? Like, is this the world's biggest couch? Didn't it rub you the wrong way when she finally, like three in the morning, she went there and was like, Hey, do you want to come back into the room? And he's like, what the fuck do you want? I was like, Oh bitch, you didn't just say that to me. I would have just freaked out. She probably so badly wanted for him to do something grand and kind within the 24 to 48 hour mark especially because he had back to back been so awful and so different from what she was used to she probably really needed him to wrap his arms around her and say I love you I'm just really stressed out but he gave her nothing he just continued to be a dick he is just very selfish very selfish guy 
he didn't even like give her sexy time on the first night like all that love bombing in the first episode so that now he could just skate by and think she's just gonna accept it yeah agree pisses me off chase if you're listening to this i hate you i really (laughs) hate you i hope you know that we're talking about you i hope you know because i think you're an asshole that's all (laughs) that's all i had to say what she said (laughs) we got eyes on you yeah, we have your address. I hope Alicia <laughs> tells her friends who tells her friends who tells their friends, and they all are like, "Oh, that's who that's about." Yeah. <laughs> you know who you are. That guy with that tattoo. You see the picture of Alicia's face on his back. You all know who it is. Doesn't he come across as a guy that would have a big hairy back though? And he's got a tattoo oh. back, so it could be like a really gross big hairy tattoo right now. So gross, like. So Alicia has a beard. You're saying Alicia has a beard. I mean, at this point. (laughs) Oh, man. She's getting better and better. Oh, Chase. I'm sorry, man. I'm just feeling a little sassy today. We're not sorry. sorry. Oh, shit. These guys deserve it. They do. They deserve it. I agree. Oh, my God. Oh, that's my favorite question. Okay. So the very end of episode two. Alicia goes on a walk, trying to clear her head because it's been absolutely crazy, devastating. Her mind's probably going a million miles a minute. She takes a walk and lo and behold, on the waterfront at a restaurant, there is her boyfriend, her live-in boyfriend, now Chase, with his ex-wife, who she thinks is an ex-wife, having dinner together. What are your thoughts? I'm curious what you would have done in that moment. And I'm curious if you think she did the right thing by playing her cards right? I can tell you what I would not have done, which is storm into the restaurant and cause a scene because that's embarrassing for us all, specifically me. I feel like somebody would record it. Maybe if he had like told me like, oh, hey, I need to meet up with my ex-wife and talk about the kids or talk about dividing assets. I would have been like, cool, I understand that. But instead he was like, secretive and shady about it which I get it because he's like hiding his wife I can't remember where he said he was going do you guys either of you remember I want to say it had to do with his mom being in a care facility (gasps) that's right she's dementia I think right yes (gasps) oh that's just wrong upon wrong upon dirty 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 nothing right and nothing I'm like what Brandon would have done yeah he would have thrown his mom all over that oh yeah like his parents had died and his dad had a stroke and his mom was deceased remember he even created created the uh memorial online for her obituary her obituary online oh god he would have made uh his mom get in the bed at where she works with the eeyore scrubs on oh man he He would have been like lay there and look like you're dying (laughs) she probably would have done it for him i know that's the worst part so you would not have gone into the restaurant because that would have been embarrassing. I think that what she did was right for not causing a scene or anything like that. But I would have waited outside that restaurant and I would have been like, hey, what the fuck are you two doing? Fancy you know, meeting you here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh my God, you're here? I would have found a guy in the parking lot. I would have hired him to pretend to be my date. And then I would have been like, oh, this is really awkward. Oh my God. Do you ever just think about like, oh, had she not have just walked right up to him, she would have found out everything she needed to know and she could have got the hell out of there. It just, I kick myself at so many opportunities that I'm like, oh, if I could have, would have, should have, what the hell? But it didn't play out that way. 
hindsight's twenty twenty. I know she was trying to navigate her new life in this new situation. It's like, you can only blow up so much before he's like, all right, get the hell out. So maybe she was just being cautious. I do think in a way she was stacking her deck um, as things were adding up so that she could really get him because guys like Chase and Brandon and the million others out there have an answer for everything on the fly. You know, in his response, um, which we'll get into next episode was believable. Brandon mm-hmm. always had an excuse and you had to question yourself like, wow, could that have happened? And they're so good at mind fucking you that you tend to start thinking, am I jealous? Am I crazy? Um, even though you know you're not, um, but they're good. The setup is good. Oh yeah. And then they say meditated. Yeah. That you're psycho and mm-hmm. you're this. Now I, we've had conversations about this before and I thought that Athena would be more savvy like Alicia and just kind of walk away and strategize. But you say no, that you would put Tiger out. I wouldn't have full on put Tiger. I would have walked there and called them out, but I wouldn't have made a scene and been like, hi, what's up? Who are you? I mean, like, what I are you doing? definitely would have gone Jerry Springer. We all I, know me. Yeah. I definitely would have. I was jacked up on IVF meds. So we have to take that into account. So I for sure would be like head spinning. What you would have ripped the tablecloth off the I table. Mean, like, whoosh. Do you ever watch the New Jersey Housewives when that Teresa lady like overthrows the table? Yes, oh, I mean, that's exactly it. That was playing in my mind as you're oh talking That whole scene yes. just played in my mind. I hate yes. to admit it, but I would have lost my absolute mother loving shit. I would have <laughs> gone yeah. like the psycho smile route and just been like, oh my God, what are you guys doing here? Hey, babe. But all kidding aside, I mean, I just feel for her at this point because you know she's like, oh God, what did I do at this point? And you know, she, this is just yet another huge, like, fucking red flag and you're just oh god what did I do what did I do and you want so desperately to tell me I'm not crazy and that this is a big fucking joke and I didn't just make the you know oh I don't even have words I'm just stumbling over them because I know exactly what she's feeling all right Lexis thank you so much for coming on with Amber and I I love how you always keep it real Thanks for having me. Come back again soon. We love you. I got to keep it real with y'all. KX fans, if you haven't quite got your full fix of X-Wives Undercover or The X-Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review.